Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I want to give you something to think about. Okay, uh, just one moment. Let let me get, let me get this. I'm being a little. I'll be a little um, obsessive compulsive here. That's better. <laughs> From today's Haftorah. Uh, let's see. I'm going to get somebody else to read. Uh, Catherine, are you? Is Catherine here? Hmm. Yes, I'm here. Okay, Catherine. I'm going to ask you to read this box right here. Uh, this is from today's Haftorah. Just read. Read what's in this box right here, please. Before going into labor, she gave birth. Before her pains came, she delivered a male child. Who ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen such things? In a country born in one day? Oh, sorry. Is a country born in one day? Is a nation brought forth all at once? For as soon as Zion, is that right? Zion. Zion went into labor. She brought forth her children. Would I let the baby break through and not be born, asks Adonai? Would I cause, who caused the birth, shut the womb, asks your God? And you'll notice, thank you, thank you, Catherine. Mm -hmm. uh, notice it's, the first verse here talks about, about birth pains. There's a lot of talk. Uh, that, that metaphor is used frequently in the Bible. I'm going to take a look at it. <clears throat> first of all, Birth pains are, are perilous. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, Melissa, I'm going to ask you to read for me. Melissa, read this box. There's a, here's some passages in, in the uh, Tanakh and in the New Covenant that demonstrate that when the writers of Scripture think of birth pains, when they use that metaphor, I think of it as perilous. And the reason I'm suggesting this, uh, the reason we're looking at this today, is because it's called plagues, perils, and birth pangs. One of the things that people are talking about right now, we're wondering to what extent is what we're experiencing a judgment of some kind? Uh, to what extent is it, or on the other hand, some kind of birth pangs of something that God is going to be doing? To what extent is the beginning, is the beginning of other things? These are good questions, and that's why I'm considering them. So, again, Melissa, would you read these texts, please? Then they journeyed from Bethel. When they were still some distance from Ephrat, Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called her name Ben-Oni. His name, his name, the, ba the boy's name. Yes, she called his name Ben-Oni, son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, son of the right hand. So Rachel died and she was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And we hear, we see in this text, there's two ways in which this, these birth pangs and this experience can be regarded. One is negative, very negative. She dies. The other is positive. The father names the son with a positive name. I'm going to be seeing that some more. But generally, in the Bible, 
when the Bible uses the metaphor of birth pains, birth pangs, it's talking of something painful and perilous. Continue reading for us, Melissa, from Jeremiah 4. For I have heard a sound like a woman in labor in anguish giving birth to her first child. It is the sound of the daughter of Zion gasping for breath as she spreads her hands. Woe to me, everything in me is so weary before the killers. So here it's used as a metaphor for somebody who's, who's in pain and who's helpless and who's vulnerable. Now First Thessalonians chapter 5, read this, Melissa. But you have no need, but you have no need to have anything written to you, brothers, about the times and dates when this will happen. Because you yourselves well know that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is so peaceful and secure, then destruction will suddenly come upon them the way labor pangs come upon a pregnant woman, and there is no way they will escape. Painful and perilous. More. This is from Mark. When you hear the noise of wars nearby and the news of wars far off, don't become frightened. Such things must happen, but the end is yet to come. For peoples will fight each other and nations will fight each other. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. This is but the beginning of the birth pains. Okay. Um, uh, Sean, if you can turn off the, uh, the, the bells that chime when people come in and go out, I'd appreciate it. Okay. Now, finally, from Romans chapter 8. And I hope all of you are paying attention to these things because it's, uh, it's going to inform your meditation and your prayers during this time. Again, we're looking how this time of birth pains can be a time of pain and peril. Now, Paul uses the metaphor as something which also transitions into something good. Please continue, Melissa. I don't think the sufferings we are going through now are even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us in the future. The creation waits eagerly for the sons of God to be revealed, for the creation was made subject to frustration, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it. But it was given a reliable hope that it too would be free from its bondage to decay and would enjoy the freedom accompanying the glory that God's children will have. We know that until now, the whole creation has been groaning as with the pains of childbirth and not only it, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we continue waiting eagerly to be made sons. That is to have our whole bodies redeemed and set free. But it, it was in this hope that we were saved. But if we see what we hope for, it isn't hope. After all, who hopes for what he already sees? But if we continue hoping for something we don't see, then we will still, eager, we will still wait eagerly for it with perseverance. Similarly, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray the way we should. But the Spirit himself pleads on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. Notice that groanings, groanings again. This is picking up on this kind of, of birth imagery. It's, it's, it's the groanings of something being, something that needs to be born, something that needs to be resolved. Verse 27. And the one who searches the hearts knows exactly what the spirit is thinking because his pleadings for God's people accord with God's will. Furthermore, we know that God causes 
everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called in accordance with his purpose. Right. Thank you so much, Melissa. So there we have many texts, and there are more that talk about, about um, the metaphor of birth pangs as being painful and terrible. And as, as we say here, there's a sense of helplessness mingled with hope. Okay, let's go on. I'm going to close this. It's also productive pain. So uh, we've got another reading here, productive pain. Um, I'd like someone else to read, someone uh, to volunteer. Nikki, if you're, if you're there, uh, you can read this. Yeah, I'm here. Would you read the box? Yes, my dear. Okay. The pain and frustration leading to the birth of a new age seems a powerful symbol in the New Testament and is firmly rooted in Jewish tradition. See John 16. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy. That a child is born into, because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is the time of your, of your grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. So you notice the metaphor of pain. Yes, it's pain but it's productive pain. Go on. Sometimes it is the frustration of an unproductive birth process that in the Old Testament appears to that the Old Testament appears to have in mind. As a woman with child and about to give birth writhes and cries out in her pain, so were we in your presence, O Lord. We were with child, we writhed in pain but we gave birth to the wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth. Right. So we're experiencing birth pangs. They could be productive. They, they're painful. They're perilous. They could be productive. They could be unproductive. This is uh, the kind of picture that scripture gives us. But we must also remember that childbirth is a process. It's not simply an event. So uh, I will ask someone else to read. Someone volunteer. On count to three, if you don't volunteer, then I'm going to call on Steve. One, two, three. Steve, would you read? Yes, it's mine. The pangs of childbirth are not only a terribly intense pain and not only a pain that dominates the sufferer and makes them helpless. It is a pain that grips the sufferer and forces the sufferer to go through a prescribed pattern, even if not of predetermined length. The birth pangs are a pain that, once it has begun, must run its course to completion, regardless of what happens to mother or child along the way. This is very similar to the way the image is also used in Mark 13.8, and it's close parallel in Matthew 24. There is a period before the very end that leads inescapably to the end, but is not itself the end. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. 
Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pains. So that is, reminds us that birth pangs are a process. And any woman here, I have no right to speak to this issue, obviously, but any woman can attest with all who's had, who's given birth, can attest to the fact that the birth pangs begin, they become more, uh, more intense, they become more frequent, but they're leading up to a, they're, they're a process leading to a fruition. So if the COVID-19 situation is part of the birth pangs, then uh, it's possible that this is only uh, the beginning of something that may have a very productive end mm. or not. We can't be sure. Jewish tradition talks about Hevloya Mashiach, the birth pangs of the Messiah. And here is uh, all the quotes in the boxes are from scholars that I've consulted this week. This is from a Jewish scholar, and this is a fascinating reading. So I need someone to read this. Rusty, I'll ask you to read again. Most of these conditions are quite disturbing, clearly displaying a situation of the very bottom of the pit. We know from the natural world that the darkest moments of the night are immediately before daybreak. One major source describes the world condition in those, in those days as follows. Increase in insolence and impudence, oppressing irritation, inf inflation, unbridled irresponsibility on the part of the authorities, centers of learning will turn to the body, to, into body houses, wars, many destitute begging, with none to pity them. Wisdom shall be putrid, the pious shall be despised, truth will be abandoned. <clears throat> the young will insult the old, family break up with mutual recriminations. <clears throat> uh, lost my place when you moved it. Um, <clears throat> Three lines before the end of the paragraph. Impudent leadership and what concerns us today, a major plague troubling society. Okay, now that's from the Talmud. So that, it's interesting that Paul talks about, in similar language, about what will happen in the last days. Shouldn't be totally surprising. Paul was a Jew, I understand. But this is what the Jewish uh, consensus was, this kind of breakdown. Keep reading, please. <clears throat> Other sources add lack of scholars, the succession of troubles and evil decrees, famines, mutual denunciations, epidemics of terrible diseases, poverty and scarcity, cursing and blasphemy, international confrontations, nations provoking and fighting each other. In short, it will be a time of suffering that will make it look as if God were asleep. These are the birth pangs of Mashiach, bearable only in anticipation of the bliss that follows them. When you see a generation ever dwindling, hope for him. <clears throat> when you see a generation overwhelmed by many troubles, as by a river, await him. <clears throat> when you see the nations fighting each other, look, look toward the feet of Mashiach. That's fascinating now. This is from Jewish sources. And notice how Yeshua's statements in Matthew, in Mark 13 and Matthew 24 and also Paul's statements all hit some of the very same tones. One more paragraph, thank you. 
Little wonder that some sages expressed apprehensions about those days in terms of, let Mashiach come, but let me not see him. Okay. That picks up again on the kind of um, paradox that I talked about earlier, uh, that, uh, that it's, it's both good news and bad news. Okay, let me just close this. Come now to our conclusion. And I will read this. So just hold on a moment. This is also from scholars I, con I consulted. Thus we have seen that the image of birth pains is an image that the New Testament writers have picked up from the Old Testament. It is used in a variety of ways and makes a number of distinct if related points. It is used in the first instance to make plain the acuteness of the pain and suffering. It is a pain that many people may well have seen the effects of, if not experienced firsthand, that is, the pain of childbirth, even in that male-oriented culture. But it is not merely an intense pain. It is one that renders the sufferer helpless. Words such as frustration are appropriate. In the New Testament and in the Old, particular groups of people and also the creation in general feel these pains, terrors, and tremblings at the approach of the Day of Reckoning. But for all its intensity and horror, the image clearly is employed sometimes precisely because the pains of childbirth is a positive pain, a pain with a goal, a productive pain. Just what is produced varies from passage to passage, but facets of the Messiah and the Messianic age are frequently in mind. Finally, it seems likely that the image used is used because the course of childbirth is not merely a flash of pain, but a process. The inescapability of the sequence of events once the process begins, but also the repetitive nature of the waves of pain make it an appropriate image of the mark in Jesus's ideas about the end times. The imagery of birth pains is found in the whole sweep of the biblical writings from Genesis to Revelation. By the time we get to Revelation, however, the dominant image has been turned somewhat on its head. The dominant image in the Old Testament prophets was the devastating effect of the judgment of God and the day of the Lord would have on the opponents of Hashem. They would be struck with panic and terror and rendered like women in childbirth. In Revelation, certainly God is still powerful in battle, but the book of Revelation is not dominated by a fierce warrior, but by a slain lamb. And in chapter 12, instead of the fierce host of the Lord thundering into battle against a foe who is so humiliated as to act like a pregnant woman in the throes of labor, it is rather the enemy who parades with all the ferocity and it is salvation that comes through the humiliation and birth pangs and the childbirth. So, my friends, Yeshua is coming. No man knows the hour. No man knows the day. We do not know the meaning of our current distress or if it even has a meaning. We should be warning signs to people who are quick to use the COVID-19 uh, pandemic 
as a metaphor for their own opinions. I've already heard people who blame the COVID-19 virus on all kinds of groups, never on themselves. This is a big mistake, a terrible mistake. Do not uh, rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not rejoice at the peril of other people. Do not be quick to take uh, terrible events, whether they be sent by God or just due to the natural course of things. Do not be quick to use them as a cudgel with which to pummel and beat those you despise. Let's be humble. Let's be inquisitive. Let's be prayerful. We don't know what these events portend. They could prevent, they could portend pain and suffering. And as the scripture says, this is but the beginning of sorrows. Could be that. But it could also be a passageway into better times ahead. Let's be humble. Let's be kind. Let's be prayerful. And let's, above all, remember that, as Paul says, the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glories which shall be revealed to us. What we anticipate in the end is endless, infinite joy, fulfillment, and community. It's more than we can imagine. It's more than we deserve. But because he lives, it is ours. And let's give thanks. So I'll ask Joyce Sharman to, to, uh, to pray for us in light of what we've just seen and what I've just said. And then we have a couple more words. Joyce, somebody needs to unmute your phone, your uh, microphone. I'm going to unmute. There you are. Go ahead, Joyce. Lead us in prayer. Oh, please do someone else. I did. You want somebody else to pray? Okay. I'd like someone else to pray then. All right. This is fine. Rabbi, can I pray? This is Richard. <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, Richard. Our Father in heaven, in the name of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, help us be humble and put it within us, your character, the character of Yeshua. Give us the conduct, character, and communication of Yeshua so we can be lights in this world. Deliver us from self-righteousness and judgment. Help us to be instruments of your mercy, of your grace. Amen. Pour out your spirit on your communities who are called by your name, the Jewish community, the Messianic Jewish community, and the Gentile Christian church. We ask for this, that we use this time to truly repent of all of our sins. 